This is Will Ford from Football 365, and you're listening to At the Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. What's up, everyone? You're listening to At the Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. We are going to be talking all about the magical night in Bucharest, where we won 1-0 thanks to an incredible, spectacular goal from the one and only Olivier Giroud. Before touching on our topic, which will be, has Kennedy's on-loan spell at Granada finally proving his critics wrong? Now, here are your hosts all the way from the UK, Mikey Berth and Chris. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm your host, Mikey, and today I'm joined by my two incredible scouts who don't miss a single kick of a Chelsea match, my co-hosts, and they are, as always, Berth and Chris. How are we, guys? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. It's interesting that you say that because, yes, I love to watch Chelsea, of course, but the last time I actually went to the bridge was four years to this day, which wow. has absolutely flown by. Hopefully, I'll be back again soon. We all will hopefully be back again soon. But, yeah, I'm good. Chris, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm back in the car recording because the baby's Yeah, back. yeah. I'm back glamming it up in the car. Nice. I remember you saying about the Chelsea, we were going to go to a Chelsea game, and that feels like so long ago. It's like, ah. Uh, I mean, well, yeah, I feel like it's a good year, year and a half ago, and obviously I didn't yeah. predict there'd be a pandemic. No. But once this is over, hopefully in, in the near future, yes. we will all go to Stamford Bridge and have a live At The Bridge podcast, which I'm sure will be a fun episode that'd be, to do. That'd be incredible. I mean, it's looking positive in the UK situation at the moment, so fingers crossed that... You know, it keeps going in that direction. So with that, we're going to head into the newsroom and we're going to see what the latest is at Stamford Bridge. Well, I'm, I'm going to jump jump in with this because I saw it today and we're hitting the fresh hot topics. I, I didn't believe it. I doubt any of you guys do. But apparently, Rye Sport, and this was sorted by, cited by Sport Witness, uh, Marina Granovskaya wanted Sarri back at Chelsea after sacking Lampard. He said yes, apparently, to return to the club. Abramovich stopped everything. I personally think this is just a rumour that's, you know, it's made up. I mean, I might be very wrong, but what do you think? Yeah, I think it would have been a very strange one. I think the board know how much Sarri and the fans sort of just didn't gel. So I think it would have been a strange one for them to try and bring back Sarri. I think we're in a at a time where we need someone to take us forward. And I don't think Sarri would have been that man. I think we'd have just sort of stalemated for the rest of the season. So, yeah, it's a strange one. I don't think it's true either, but you never know these days, to be honest. Chris? I actually think there might be some truth in it, but they've twisted it to make it sound worse than it is. I think what might have happened is he might have been a backup if Tuchel turned us down. Have Sarri until the end of the season, knowing that there's no fans in the stadium, so that sort of connection <laughs> between the fans and yeah. doesn't really until the end of the season, and then look for a permanent replacement. But obviously, luckily, Google said yes. But I do that, think there might have been something in it in terms of that, but I don't think it was as they've reported it. Yeah, that's actually a good shout. Very, very yeah. interesting. Yeah, it would have been very interesting, that. Um, well, we've hit that topic. We, we were back to playing two games in a week and first up was a Premier League matchup and we took on Southampton. Rolls it past Alex McCarthy with nonchalant ease. Sends the goalkeeper the wrong way. Chelsea quickly back in this at the start of the second half. Well, 
if you're ever on a losing streak and your next game's Chelsea, then you're in luck because we'll probably help you out. Uh, Charity FC trended on Twitter, rightly or wrongly. Uh, we only managed a point at St. Mary's, but was it a point earned or two lost, guys? I mean, looking at each team's forms, you'd have to say it was two points lost, but I do feel that under Lampard, it probably would have been a game that we had lost. But under Tuchel, we just seemingly... Whenever we concede now, um, we just seemingly have a few more ideas to sort of combat that. And I think Tuchel's game management over the past three, four games has been excellent. And I think the Southampton game was no different, to be honest. Um, it's it's a good point in the end, because I don't think we were great. I really don't think we were good. But you would have to say it's definitely two points dropped. Yeah, I would agree. I think I agree with the Tuchel point. I, I do think his game management is is incredible. He spots things that are going wrong and crucially knows how to change it. Um, you, you have to see it as two points dropped. I mean, if you look at what Southampton did against Leeds the game after, they got absolutely dismantled again. So it, it was definitely two points dropped. The concerning thing for me is we we said a couple of weeks ago that we didn't play very well against Sheffield United and they put on a, a high press and we didn't cope. And Southampton did the same and we didn't cope. So it is concerning that if teams start to realise that our players don't like it when teams press. I do think more teams will start doing that between now and the end of the season, and that could be a problem for us. I, th- I think the pro- one of the problems we had against Southampton is that we, we just didn't control that midfield. I think with Kovacic and Kante, yes, they were bring- breaking up the play, but I just felt that we needed a Jorginho in there just to dictate the play. I know Jorginho isn't necessarily great against a team that presses high, but what he would give you is a bit of control and a bit of sort of domination in that midfield, someone that would want to get the ball make some passes, just get the momentum going. With Kante and Kovacic in there, unfortunately, I think they're just both very similar. I don't think they can sort of just control the tempo of a game. And I think yeah. that's what actually harmed us against Southampton. I think we needed Jorginho to play. I know he was resting in for the Atletico game, and that's fair enough, but I just think we needed that sort of midfield pivot for Jorginho, Jor- the robots back, um, of Jorginho and, uh, and even Kovacic or Kante to sort of to get a few more points against Southampton. Yeah, I totally see that that point of view. I mean, I may joke, but that headline does often come to mind. I mean, it happened against Palace and West Ham a few seasons ago. This time it happened, obviously, against Southampton. Is it a mentality thing? Because it does often repeat itself season after season. It's a strange one because uh, Chelsea, when Mourinho first came to the club, that this would never happen. But yet, over the past couple of years, it does just seem as if whenever a team is out of form or whether a striker isn't scoring for six or seven games, they will turn up against Chelsea. And it may just be a strange coincidence, but it's happened so many times now where you almost think that it is a mentality thing. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it could be mentality. I think what else it boils down to, though, is these teams, they get up for games against the bigger sides more than they do against other teams in the Premier League. And... We never seem to rise with them. I think when we go and play these teams and they really up their game, we never raise our intensity along with them. And I think that's one of the main issues we have in these sort of games is that those players will run themselves into the ground and our players don't raise their own game up to that level to match them. It's almost like we, we believe our football's good enough to beat them, but a lot of the time it isn't. And I think that's, yeah. that's been one of the main issues against those sort of sides over the last couple of years at least. You know, and I think, Chris, that's a great point. I think that's why Mason Mount is looking so good against these teams recently because 
he's the only yeah. one that has, has that energy and has that sort of passion almost. The others seemingly, I wouldn't say are too casual because they're obviously not. They obviously want to win. They're obviously determined. But they just want to like, coast through games and just win on their natural football ability where Mason Mount wants to press high, wants to win the ball back, wants to make things happen straight away. And I think that's why he is looking so good at the minute. Yeah, I mean, the, the big talking point is going to be obviously sub, the substitution of the substitute. Um, Callum Hudson Odoi. My thoughts on that issue with that after the equaliser from Mason Mount, who was exceptional, got to say it. Uh, it Callum, he, he, he was quite, quite poor, you know. Quite often in that second half, he was stationary, failed to move into space, no reaction to the pass or any passes to his feet from a teammate. They were just sort of bouncing off him. I mean, that might be a bit harsh for me to say, but that's kind of what I saw. And I kind of understand why Tuckle made the change. Whether it was right or wrong, it looks in hindsight the right decision because of obviously how he performed in that against Atletico. But what did you think of that? I mean, I, I personally think it was a bit harsh. I think Tuchel came out and said it was something to do with his pressing game, if I remember rightly. But I don't think he played that badly. There's a few times where he lost possession too easily and didn't win it back. But it, again, I'll go back to the Lampard situation. Would that have happened in the Lampard where he'd have hooked someone off after already bringing them on? I don't think he would have. And I think that's where Tuchel has that edge over Lampard at the moment. He's he's taking risks. He's When something doesn't work, he's changing it. He's, he's not being predictable. Um, and it, it looked like a stroke of genius now because, I mean, the media obviously made too much of it. There was nothing there really. Yes, Hudson Odoi is going to be annoyed. Tammy Abraham is going to be annoyed for coming off at half time. That's yeah. natural. It's not like there was any friction there. And like Tuchel said, it will be forgotten as soon as the game finished. And it was. You go to Atletico game, Hudson Odoi plays, was brilliant. So, I mean, you know, these things just happen in football. I think it's the stroke of genius from Tuchel. We needed something a bit more creative in there. That's why we brought Ziyech on. All right, we didn't win the game, but it did definitely change the momentum of the game once he brought Ziyech on for Hudson Odoi. Yeah, before I go to Chris, I mean, for me, when watching Callum play, I've always felt he's... He's best at when near the touchline, you know, quite often whenever he plays mm. in that number 10 role, he just seems to, he seems to struggle a bit because he, ha- he has to do obviously the half turn, make the quick decisions, etc. And when he plays out wide, he often wins most of his 1v1 matchups because of his ability, because of his pace as well. Um, Chris, any thoughts on the Hudson-Odoi situation, even though hindsight has kind of taught us it was probably a stroke of genius? Uh, to be honest, I liked it at the time. I think it, it was a bit harsh on Hudson-Odoi. He wasn't having a really, really bad game. And to be honest, it, it could have been a number of players who got hooked off. Mm. But I like the fact that he's come in to Tuckle and he's he's raised the standard of what's expected of players. And I think he's he's put down a marker for, it won't just be hudson Adoy. he'll do it to other players between now and the end of the season, where if you don't match his expectation of what he wants and you don't follow out his instructions, then you won't play or you get subbed off. And I think, it's a really good thing, and I think it is something that this squad really needs because I think too many players in this squad have been coasting around for at least the last 18 months to two years. We're getting away with some really poor performances and sub subpar performances, and managers just almost accepting it that they're good for one week and then poor for three weeks, and I, I don't think Tucker will do that. I think if you don't do what he wants, then you don't play or you get hooked up, and I think that's really good for young players because I think it pushes them to be at their best all the time. And we have seen before Hudson Odoi has struggled to get into other people's teams, and there has been murmurings before about attitude problems and and things with like that with him. And 
I think it is just it is pushing him to say that he has to be at his best every time he steps on the pitch. Just looking at my just look like Mason Mount. He he'll never get hooked off because he always is trying his best. And I think that's the point that Tucker was trying to make, not just to Hudson Odoi, but to the squad as a whole. Yeah. You know what, as well, Mikey, I'll, I'll go back to your point, all right, of um, him, of Hudson Odoi not looking great in that number 10 role. Tuckle said that he, he saw the same from Hudson Odoi in the Sheffield United game. And I remember him bringing him on almost up front in that Sheffield United game. And it's a very similar performance. Mm. So. Yeah. I think for looking forward, whenever he does bring Hudson Odoi on, I, I don't think it will be in that advanced sort of striker or number ten role. I think it generally will be as either a winger or a wing back. I, I think it's fair to say now we've sort of come to the conclusion that Hudson Odoi isn't a striker; he's a number ten. He is best on the right hand side or the left hand side by that by touch line, running at defenders. That's where he's best. He's sort of an old school winger, really. I don't think he's cute enough, and I don't think he's sort of clever enough on the ball to be that number ten. I think. Tuchel has made that conclusion quite clear after watching him against Sheffield United and Southampton. Yeah, 100%. So, obviously, that, that was the conclusion of a Premier League match. Obviously, the Champions League was back. We headed to Romania to face Atletico Madrid. Alonso's ball. Mount was trying to get there. Giroud! Oh, yes! But the flag is up. It's a goal. goal. Wow. Big moment for Chelsea. And they get the break in the last 16 against Atletico. Advantage Chelsea, 1-0 victory. Our first knockout tie-away win since March 2012, nine years ago. That that was wow. I mean, I'm going to open up the discussion with Olivier Giroud. Talk, talk us through it, guys. I mean, Olivier Giroud, he's, is he 34 now? Yeah, something like that. For a guy of his size, to score an overhead kick like that, to score a scorpion kick in his Arsenal days, to score... That incredible solo goal versus Southampton. Not many other players in the world could score the goals that he could. Maybe Ronaldo could, but I don't think many. I don't think Lewandowski scored many scorpion kicks or over kicks in his time. I mean, Olivier Giroud has to go down as one of the most underrated players there has ever ever been in my eyes. He's so so good. Um, to be honest, I don't think he's actually playing that well against Atletico, but he just came alive. He 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 just make other players around him look better. And once he scored that goal, you could just tell that he, he got his confidence up. He was then bringing players into play. And, if, and you have to say, for 18 million or whatever it was, it has to go down as one of our best signings in the past five, six, seven years, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable goal. It was the, the fact that he, he was disappointed in the fact that he didn't get the first pass. And so he wasn't, <laughs> he was almost not looking. And then he just seen the ball and reacted. And it was some one of those those shots that you take without thinking. And I think those are the ones that tend to go in. If you think about it, you, you tend to mess it up. But it was just a snap reaction from him. And to beat a goalkeeper of Black's quality with a goal like that was uh, immense. I do agree with what Bursa did. I don't think he was having a brilliant game up until that point. Um, my problem with Giroud at the minute is he, he tends to want to play everything one touch. Mm-hmm. And I think some the pass is going into him and he's going to have runners overlap him. But because he plays everything one touch, there's not that chance to get that support to him. I think sometimes he just has to hold it a little bit more. But, I mean, Tuckle said before the game in the, the pre-match uh, interview that he brought Giroud in because he's the person for the last 20 metres. And Giroud proved it. He had one chance in that game and scored it. And I think that's what we've been missing. Um, that's person who just gets that one opportunity. I mean, it wasn't even a chance, really. And he, he still put it away. And Yeah, I mean... 
when he retires, the goal compilation videos are going to be pure artistry. I mean, he's a handsome forward. He just doesn't score boring goals. You know, you think of his scorpion kick, obviously, for Arsenal. I mean, it's truly incredible how things can change. I mean, back in December, when the draw was made, you looked at the form book of both sides and you could only see Atletico pretty much mauling Chelsea to pieces. Let's not pretend we were in a good run of form. We looked at how Atletico were playing and their in their campaign in Spain, amazing. A change of manager amongst many other things, of course, later, and the results completely different to the predictions. Let's be honest, though, from a Chelsea point of view, that was a huge, huge result. It, it does seem to be the case we get the job done against deep, organised defences under Thomas Tuchel. Obviously, Berth, you brought that up about how Southampton played. you know. But make no mistake, that's, that's one of the, if not the best defence in world football. You know, I know, yeah, people are going to say... Man City, but Atletico have conceded even less goals in the league than Man City this season. So, you know, they're, they're, they're something special. They truly are. And the way we, we performed, we got the job done. I mean, special mention as well to Andreas Christensen. You know, Suarez did not get a sniff all game on our goal. Atletico were kept to zero shots on target and he was singled out as a potential weak link. That's Christensen. But yet again, he's delivered since he's come in. I mean, what were your thoughts on him? Yeah, I think What's impressive about Christensen over the past couple of games is he seems to be a lot more aggressive in trying to win the ball back. Whereas before, I mean, you look under Lampard, the goal we considered under Villa, which a lot of people point towards him. I know he's injured, but you could argue he could have been stronger in that tackle with Grealish. But you compare him to now, and when he came up against Tottenham, I saw it then, he was so aggressive at winning the ball back and he won it every single time. He reads the ball, he reads the, yeah, reads the ball fantastically well and he's obviously got amazing technical ability on the ball but that sort of weak link has always been sort of his physicality but he showed that recently really really well and it's going to be a tough choice for Tuchel when Thiago Silva comes back because you can't really drop Christensen because he's played really really well but then do you have him on either the left side or the right side but you can't really drop Rudiger because for me personally I think Rudiger's actually been really good as well I think not many people have talked about how Rudiger kept Luis Suarez quiet as well all night um, as for the Quetta, He's not put a foot wrong either. So when Thiago Silva comes back, it's going to be really interesting to see what Tuchel does. But all three of them, to be fair, deserve a lot of credit because they've been fantastic. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, Chris, thoughts on Christensen? Yeah, I thought he had a really good game. I think the, I think this system suits him. I think, like Bert said, he can go and be more aggressive because he's got the, the security of the two players behind him. I think that's what was catching him out under Lampard. I, don't think, I think he's another centre-back, a bit like in the David Luiz mould, who... They're not very good in a back in a back four. They're better in a in a back, in a three at the back and mm. just more comfortable there. He can step. I like the fact that he is really good on the ball when he steps into those midfield areas. He can find good forward passes from there. He hasn't put a foot wrong. I still think Silver comes back in without a doubt when he's fit. Um, I I wouldn't like to see Christensen playing on the side if I'm honest because I do no. think that lack of physicality would come into play a lot more on the side. We see it. We see it at times with Aspilicueta. Um, and I think that's a problem for him going forward. But yeah. for Christensen, it's nice to know now though that we can rest Silva and Christensen can come come in and do a really good job in his absence. So we don't have to rely on him so much, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, I was also going to say about how Olivier Giroud is such an underrated forward and cost us only £18 million. And yeah, but I've got to finish on one point. Luis Suarez and Chelsea, it seems to always be, there's always something. This time, he's he's been called out for pinching Rudiger's legs. I only saw it today. 
Oh dear. It, it's just, it, I don't get it. I do not understand Luis Suarez. It, you know, the biting and now this, you think he's, he's world class. He is and he's proven it. But these, these incidents, incidents, they, they're going to tarnish his reputation. I mean, I only didn't, I didn't know about it till today. I don't know if you guys knew about it. Yeah, I mean, I did see it. I don't know, I don't it's think. silly. It's silly. Yeah, I, I, it's petulant, but I don't think he'll, he'll be the only one that does it. I mean, let's not forget that we had Diego Costa at our club for, for two, three years, who did exactly the same, exactly the same mould. I know he's not bit anyone or done anything of that sort of nature, but those two go hand in hand, really. They're, they're street footballers, you know, South Americans, you know, they they do just love the fight. They're up for a war when they go on that football pit. And Suarez has made a career of that. He is an incredible, incredible footballer. Yes, he's got that sort of niggly side to him, which no one really wants to see, but in front of goal, outside the box, he is superb, and we've still got to get get clear of that at Stamford Bridge. He's still a, a threat, a massive threat. I mean, Everton fans might say he bit Gareth Barry. That's still... <laughs> Was it really a point? Well, I, I don't I'm think... not getting involved in this. Uh... I don't know it's one of them, but... Yeah. I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting, that second leg. So, after all that midweek excitement, we'll be back after this. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back, listeners. Now, we put out another poll last week about what to discuss on this week's episode. It was on a knife edge. It ended up 50-50 and I thought, you know, we'll touch upon it. It's a topic and it just gives a bit of, a bit of knowledge about a player out on loan. Kennedy... You know, you know the guy. He's, we signed him back in 2015, and he's been sat out on loan five times so far, as a lot of our players are, unfortunately. Watford, twice at Newcastle, Catafé, and currently with Granada. If we cast our minds back to his first loan spell at Newcastle, that could be when most will remember how impressive he actually was. I mean, he almost filled that void at St. James's Park that Hatton Ben Arthur left. I know, big statement, but when he was on the ball, that level of excitement would rise in the stands. It, you know, direct and always looking to make something happen. That creative flair. That's why when Newcastle secured another season loan for him, it was kind of seen as a top deal. But he kind of ghosted through that 18-19 campaign. I mean, what, why do you guys think he seems to be a hot or cold player? Um, I'm not sure. I think maybe it's an attitude problem, um, potentially. Uh, that he is Brazilian, so again, Premier League is always a tough league. Maybe sometimes when a game is too physical, I mean, up against like a Burnley or a Stoke, and he gets tackled in the first couple of minutes, maybe then he just doesn't fancy it. Um, it it's a strange one with Kennedy because that first season, like you said, under Newcastle, he was fantastic, but then the consistency and it, at his age, I think how old was he? Went to Newcastle, maybe nineteen, twenty, something like that. He was. He just wasn't consistent enough. It was either a 7 out of 10 or a 2 out of 10. I mean, I think there was a game against Cardiff where he was just awful all game. And I think he missed a penalty maybe in the last minute for Newcastle. I think that just summed it up. And it's it's a difficult one. You could, there's many factors that could sort of play into it. But the talent was always there. And I'm sure Newcastle fans would say the talent was always there. It's just he couldn't do it on a consistent basis. Chris? Yeah, I think it might be. it might be a motivational problem with him. Not during the 90 minutes, but outside of that in the week. You know, does he want to put the extra work in to reach those those levels consistently? We've seen it with plenty of players. He'll, you know, your your Shakiris and your Marco Arnautoviches. They all had talent and on their day looked like Champions League level players, but their day only come round once a month. And I think he's another one of them who I just don't know how much work he puts in during the week 
to want to reach those levels on a weekend consistently. And I think that could be his main his main issue. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of always feared that even though the lad is talented, no one's going to deny that the ability is there. It is the attitude, and that will always raise a question. The game against Cardiff when Kennedy kicked out and was not sent off, I don't know if listeners remember that, uh, that was a time before VAR. Well, lovely time. Uh, later on, though, it wasn't obviously a regular. It wasn't, he wasn't sent off. He would have been with VAR. But later on, to win the game, he steps up to take the penalty. It's a poor penalty. I think many Newcastle fans back then were just, just head in hands about how poor it was. I mean, not a good day in the office for the guy at all. And Rafa Benitez, a f- former Chelsea manager, lost, he lost faith in the player over the course of the season. And... That was that was time at Tyneside over, really. I mean, he didn't really feature much after match day 19 that season. So, yeah. And then he moves on to Spain. So, his time in La Liga, coming back from Newcastle. His, his reputation, obviously, as you can imagine, it's it's tarnished. You know, that second season wasn't good. He needed a fresh start. Heads to Getafe. He'd play on either wing. He'd be playing along and competing kind of with Marco Cucurella, who's doing quite well in La Liga at the moment. Uh, often as a wing back. And sadly, Kennedy sort of struggled with the demands of that role. I mean, the press, the energy, the dropping back. It's a very, very difficult role to, to fill, really. I mean, and he was often limited to a role as a, like the impact sub than a starter at Catafe. I mean, ahead of the 2021 season, Granada, obviously his current side, saw potential. They took him on loan and he's been a relative success so far. He has at a time of recording 12 goal involvements in 30 games. Uh, have you had a chance, guys, to see him play for Granada? And why do you think it's working out for him there compared to, say, the other Um I haven't seen much of him, I must admit. But it, it's a strange one, really. I mean, there's so many players that sort of he works out at one club and doesn't at the other. A perfect example of that is a Patrick Bamford, for instance. Everyone wrote him off. They said he couldn't do it in the Premier League. He, did, he tried to do it for Middlesbrough, couldn't do it. He didn't make it at Chelsea in the Premier League. Goes to Leeds, different manager, different system comes to the Premier League and now he's he's off and running he's got 11 12 Premier League goals so maybe Kennedy just needed sort of a different manager different system um and sometimes it just fits i mean it's a strange one really um it's the consistent like i said earlier it's the consistency with Kennedy that always sort of let him down but now that he's got a bit older a bit wise a bit more experience finally grew accustomed to a league playing week in week out I think he's one of those players that does need to play week in week out to get that confidence and get that sort of consistency going maybe it's just click for him and and hopefully he sort of carries on that momentum yeah I agree I think it's that thing isn't it like you said some players they just fit with a certain manager or a certain team at a certain time and everything just clicks and you know they, they can put in those good performances how long it lasts is always the question. I mean, this could just be one season, then they might sign in permanently and, you know, it all falls apart. So it's one of them things. I think it might be as well the fact that he he's valued there, almost like, I don't know how many other Granada players would have even played at a club the size of Chelsea. So he might feel a little bit above everyone there. That always gives you a little bit more freedom on the pitch to make mistakes and it, it could be down to something as simple as that he might just be playing with more freedom now um, at Granada and that's why he's performing better I just I can't see him doing it consistently at a club that's the size of Chelsea though. I think that's going to be oh, his issue Agreed Yeah I mean early on in the Spanish season he, I mean 
he lacked that final ball. I mean, I've looked at a couple of the highlights of some of the games that he played earlier on in the season, and he does lack that final ball or, or the cutting edge in front of goal. But as he's grown more used to the system that Granada play, again, that's a key thing. He's playing more. You know, he has his ability and his confidence. It's starting to show. And he's sort of taking risks, which are obviously are paying off in his game. I mean, it's kind of interesting because when you compare the stats, his season so far at Granada is actually not as impressive as his first at Newcastle. And his performance, though, in that first leg against Napoli did put him in the spotlight where we saw how good he can be. I mean, he got a goal and an assist and man of the match. I mean, this is a good Napoli side as well. To, I know some might disagree, but it's still a very good Napoli side. You know, he was pretty exceptional. And that sounds over the top, but he did give them absolute nightmares. And his contract expires next season. And Granada do have the option to purchase him this summer. Do you see his future at Chelsea? Or do you think he's going to be sold or maybe Granada are going to take up their option? No, I don't. I personally don't think he'll make it at Chelsea. I think you could argue if that wing-back role would have worked for him, then maybe he could have come back to Chelsea, especially under Tuchel. And in, you know, he could have been a successor to Marcus Alonso. He could, he could argue. But I just think of his consistency... And with the wide players that we've got at the moment, I don't think there's any room for him at Chelsea. I think Spain is a good place for him to play because he's technically a brilliant player. When he's on, on form, he is a great player. Great left foot, great flair. Um, it's just one of them where I don't think he's quite at that top-tier level. I don't think he is made for Chelsea. I think a Granada is probably the best place for him. Maybe in a few years' time, that, that could change and he could go to, say, I don't know, come back to Chelsea even, maybe, but I think for the time being, Granada would be the perfect place for him. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, the perfect thing for Chelsea would be for, the, for them to take up their option to buy. I mean, the worst thing, if they don't, we'll probably offer him a new contract and loan him out for the next four years again. So, I think the best thing for him would be if Granada took up that option to buy as well. I, I don't think he'll ever make it at, at that sort of level. I think he's one of them where it's acceptable at mid-table teams to to be good for a couple of weeks then poor for four weeks uh, whereas at clubs the size of Chelsea that isn't acceptable and I think that will just be that'll be the case there's no yeah. doubt he can go on and have a, a perfectly fine career but I, I just don't think he'll ever reach the levels that we almost expected of him when we when we signed him yeah I mean he's 25 now and he's only just turned 25 <laughs> He's got that, he has, it's that frustration. He's got the potential, but it just doesn't seem to be carried out on the field for, for us. I mean, I'd love to see him do well. You know, we'd love to see all Chelsea players do well, but I, I don't think his future will be at, at Stamford Bridge. I mean, we don't know what Tuchel wants. We, he might assess him in the summer if Granada don't take the option. And he might be in the team next year. You never know. You never, never know. So... With that, that was a, a shorter topic than usual, but, you know, it's nice to get the, the lone stars out there and know what they're doing, I guess. But um, with that, we've, we've come to the end of another episode of At The Bridge Pod, so it's time for the social media plug. Where, where can we be, all be found on the socials, guys? Uh, Chris, would you like to go first this week, or would you like me to? Uh, you can go first this week. Oh, thank you, Chris. Thank you. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Chris Burford. And on Twitter, I'm at Chris09Adams. Yeah, and you can find myself on Twitter and Instagram as that red hair do. But for all things at the Bridge Pod, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can search for at the Bridge Pod. Drop us a like, follow, keep up to date on all things Chelsea. So, till next time, listeners, that's going to be us signing off. <laughs>